We're in Romans chapter 9. We're down to verse 30. Let's read this. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. Okay? So he said, what are we saying? Gentiles, they were in darkness. They didn't have the privileges and the covenants that the Jewish people had. And they, as a whole, did not pursue God and weren't seeking to be righteous. Yet they attained righteousness, it said, by faith. For God chose to show or extend mercy. He'd given the Jews so many privileges, but he also dealt with Gentile nations, and people forgot that. They thought, well, the rest of the world's just damned to hell. Scripture doesn't teach that. He dealt with the Gentiles under a different standard. He showed mercy, and when Joshua went forth to destroy many of the tribes that God had commanded him, he was going to destroy one tribe, and the Lord forbid him. He said, their iniquity is not full. So he dealt justly with Gentiles under a different standard, but they did not have the privileges, the law, the promises. Some people say, when you read even Paul, he says uh, they were without hope. It didn't mean that they were damned to hell and they had no hope. It meant they did not have the hope and the privileges that were given to the Jews, but God still dealt with them. They were righteous Gentiles before and during the law that God honored. But his covenant and his special privileges and promises went with the Jewish people, with Israel. So he was saying as a whole, they were in the world and they weren't interested in God. You know, the reason the Jews were, God picked them out. And he said, not because you're anybody special. I chose to use you for my purposes. Well, later on, they got arrogant and they hated the Gentiles. They thought they were special and they didn't fulfill God's laws or promises. And he eventually rejected them, which he had already to go another way. That was a temporal thing, the law and the prophets and so forth. And so we see as God dealt with Jonah, remember Jonah, God had sent him to tell none of you could be destroyed. Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. They were Gentiles. They were enemies. And that's why he fled. He didn't want to warn them. He was hoping God would kill them because he was, again, like a typical Jew. They didn't care much for the Gentiles. But God told him to go to them. That's his right. So he went to Nineveh, and he gave them the warning from God, in 40 days you could be destroyed. He did not give them any promises or anything that if they repented, that God would spare them. They were simply told. Now, the Jewish people had promises, and if prophet went to them and warned them, they were told if they repented and did certain things, God would take them back. But the Gentile people weren't given any promises like this. And so he went and sat outside the city hoping they wouldn't repent and God would destroy them. doesn't speak well for Jonah. So he waited and God didn't destroy it and they did repent and he's mad and sulking. And God said to him, should not I show mercy on a people, and he meant spiritually, who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand? So he's asking Jonah that question. And poor sulking Jonah the Jewish prophet, should have been pleased and said, oh, that's interesting, and God's mercy and grace he's showing. But he wasn't, and that's how the Bible leaves him. So the Jews as a whole felt contempt and disregard 
for Gentiles. God originally wanted them to be a priesthood, a royal priesthood, and be a light to the Gentiles. But they failed at that, and they did not do what they were told. And with all their privileges, God held them responsible and finally cut their nation off and dealt with them differently. So that's what happens. You're given more ability and more grace, the person answers for more. When judgment comes, it's greater. As Hebrews said, how much a greater punishment shall you think those will receive who backslide and trample the blood of Christ? And like Peter said, it's better not to have known the Lord than to depart from him. He meant your judgments could be far greater because you've been given more grace and you rejected it. So that's the justice and the holiness of God. But 31 said, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Okay. The covenant people, they were given covenants and promises. They pursued a law of righteousness, but it was by works and pride and self-effort. And the law basically wasn't teaching that. It was telling them how to live right and what to do and what not to do, but it had no ability to forgive sins. Sacrifice was the representative. The law simply revealed facts. It told things. And it knew they weren't perfect, but it gave them guidelines. That's what God intended, for the law to be a teacher and eventually to show them that they needed a sacrifice and they needed righteousness that they could not perform, that someone had to come along and do that. And that was the intent, the full intent of the law and the prophets. And they misread it and they twisted it and they became self-righteous and they thought, well, if I do this and that as the law says, I'll be righteous. And they forget they couldn't be perfect before the Lord. And God, a holy God, demands perfection. Sin has to be atoned for or punished. So God made provision, but they did not rightly handle it, we should say. Okay, and that's why they had all their problems. So their heart was not right. As Paul said previously, if you claim to be a Jew because you're circumcised, that was the end of the covenant. And he said, but you don't keep his words of the law. He says, then you're not a Jew. That baffles them. See, they were putting so much, like many professing Christians think, because they were baptized as an infant, or one time in the past they were water baptized, that makes them a Christian. No, it does not. They are a Christian before they're baptized. That water ain't going to do them a bit of good if their heart's not been changed. It was an outward sign of what happened inwardly. And see, they do the same thing today. They claim to be Christianity. They say, Lord, Lord, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord's going to say to them one day, I never knew you. You weren't Christians. And they thought they were. And they believed in his mental ascent. He's the Lord. He died on the cross. He wrote, but they're not saved. They didn't commit themselves to follow the Lord. They didn't get their sins forgiven. And they didn't walk in the Lord. So that nullifies 99% of those who profess to be Christians. Well, the same thing happened under Judaism. Most of them were not true Jews as far as God was concerned. They may have been circumcised and they may have been the descendants. And the Lord himself said, but only a remnant is going to be saved. He said, not many of them. So, but they all claim to be Jews. 
Well, God didn't accept that, okay? He didn't accept their form of righteousness and their evaluation of what the law was going to do was wrong. And the prophets tried to warn them. They give them things. But when sin enters the picture, the truth goes out the door. It blinds people. It deceives them. And people wonder how intelligent people can't see it because the sin keeps them from it. It blinds them. It has a spiritual effect. The God of this world blinds them lest they should see. And that's the consequences of rejecting the leading of your conscience and your knowledge of the word or the leading of the spirit. He says, my spirit will not always strive with men. They keep resisting him. He eventually deals with it, okay? And like we say, they were supposed to be a light Israel to the nations, but they despised the nations and thought themselves righteous and more better. And even at Jesus' time, the priests and Pharisees looked at the common Jewish people and said they're cursed because they don't know the law. Well, they thought they were supposed to act just like them. And Jesus basically told them which ones were cursed. And it wasn't the common people. It was the priest and the Pharisee. He called them hypocrites and blind guides. He had no patience with some of them. But he did with the common people who came. So they had got to that place. They strained at gnats and swallowed camels. They emphasized minute tithing. And the law had 40-some rules, and they made about 600 by the time Jesus came along. But he said, you didn't know about mercy and forgiveness. And he called them uh, thieves. And you robbed people in the temple. He beat them out and kicked the tables. I mean, he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. You're supposed to be enlightening these people and you're making merchandise of them. Well, they haven't changed today. Most of these TV ministers that do the same thing, but most of their followers are not Christians either. They're false Christians and they don't understand and they don't know the truth because many of them are covetous and greedy and self-centered and they want to bless me game and they think they're supposed to because they're still being self-righteous self-oriented. They don't take up the cross. They don't follow the Lord. Their Christianity doesn't cost them nothing, so it's worth nothing. People forget the gates to the New Jerusalem are made of pearls, 12 pearls. It means the entrance is a way of suffering. And if people don't suffer for the gospel by denying the flesh, the world, and demonic forces, they're not going to make it into those gates. They're not going to be open for them. Okay? So most were not, yet the law, if they had understood it properly and the sacrifice, they were symbols. The law did not make people righteous. It told them how to stay in God's favor and how God would overlook their sins and make provision through the sacrifice that pointed to Christ. And so when they sinned and failed, the law couldn't do nothing for them, but say you have to have sacrifice. And so that's what it was to teach them, that some sacrifice has to be given outside of you uh, because you failed and sinned. You can't redeem yourself. And if you're already a sinner, you can't make yourself righteous. So he's, he's trying to tell them only God can do this. And that's why Isaiah says there's none righteous, none. But there was a lot of them that walked very righteously according to God. Job did. 
but he made sacrifice too. See, he didn't rely on his own goodness. And God told the devil, he said, there's none like him in all the earth who hates sin and loves righteousness. But even he knew he failed at times and he wasn't perfect. He accepted that. So he was not self-righteous. Abraham was the same way. See, they recognized God's way. Even at their limited understanding of the way of righteousness and faith, they walked in it. They did what God told them to do and they trusted him and God did what he said he'd do for them. 32, why he said they did not arrive at the law, a righteous law of righteousness. 32 says why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. See, now they're talking again about the human works, not God's spiritual works. Spiritual works are motivated by the Spirit of God. They're in unity. It's fruit-bearing and obedience. And it takes the divine side and the human side always. It's never one-sided either. It ain't all God, it ain't all man. But they pursued it by self-works and their interpretation of what they thought it should be. And it said they did not pursue it by faith. So he was telling them then, you had to look to God under the law or the sacrifices wouldn't avail you. You had to have some faith in the blood and he was going to take care of that. And the animals were just symbols of Christ to come and to be the sacrifice. So they stumbled over the stumbling stone. And before we go on, so they could not arrive at righteousness because they did not mix it or learn of faith. They gloried in their own works of righteousness or their ability to keep the law perfectly, which they could not do. That's why sacrifice and punishments were set up and instructions on the law. If you stole something, you not only had to make sacrifice, you had to pay back four times. So there was restitution and amendment. Or even Christians think all they have to do is confess their sin. No, God chastens and punishes, and he instructs Christians to make things right. You can't go rob somebody and say, oh, Lord's forgiven it. Well, you've got money there, and you know you stole from that person. You should have paid. They're frivolous. They don't understand true Christianity. So the Bible says repent. It means stop doing your evil and do the opposite. And so if you really know you robbed somebody, you pay them back if you can. Uh, you and God get together and decide what you got to do about this. So confessing sin and repenting, they have to go together. A lot of people confess their sins, but they don't stop them, so it doesn't do no good. They don't repent, okay? So they gloried and were proud of being a Jew and, uh, you know, selected among the nations. And we're special. And yet they weren't walking right, okay? So they stumbled in all of their privileges because they had no faith or trust in God's righteousness. They thought they could handle all that themselves. And it's like many people today. They serve God. And even if they don't go to church or they don't meet with other Christians, they say, well, I do enough. I'm okay. And they, and if they do to church, they look around and say, well, I'm as good as them. And they don't realize that most of them are on their way to hell. So they shouldn't be measuring themselves by other people because it's getting darker and darker. And that's not a good standard to 
Paul said, you measure yourself by Christ. You don't measure other people. We go to Hebrews. We'll go to chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed, now he's talking about the old, remember this. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, he's not about the old company, he calls it the gospel. It was at a lower level, but it still had the principles of the law of righteousness as far as God was concerned. See, they could have seen the gospel more clearly if they'd lived right. And they would have understood what God was going to do later. And so he said, what? He said, it was preached to them as well as to us. Us today, we got the gospel. He said, but they got the gospel. He called it the gospel. Isn't that interesting? The law of prophets was the gospel at that time. Okay. But the word which they heard did not profit them. I mean, it didn't do them no good. Why didn't it? Because it wasn't mixed with faith when they heard it. So there was faith. Abraham was the father of faith, father of Jew and the Gentile. And he was called the father of faith. And that was before. He was the first Jew. He was before Moses and the law and the prophet. So God's intention was to carry through and give further revelation. But... He was the foundation layer of this, okay? And the rest, like I say, they could not enter into God's peace or be at peace with him because they kept living the way they wanted to instead of accepting the Lord's way, okay? 33 said, but it is written, so he's quoting the old now, Isaiah's, behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Well, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees and scribes, they stumbled over Jesus. And he became the stumbling block. And yet for the church, he's the chief cornerstone. They missed it. And his reasons, they missed it. And, the re- and they were the most intellectual of the Jewish people. But they didn't get it. See, their sin kept them from seeing things. And because they wouldn't repent properly, they couldn't see certain things, okay? So he placed Christ in front of the Jewish leaders, and had they truly known the law and interpreted it properly, they would have recognized him, but they didn't. So they stumbled over him thinking he was a false prophet, and that's why they eventually murdered him. But there's a reason for this. The greatest of the ministries and the greatest of the prophets, Jesus said, was John. And he was the only prophet that did not perform miracles. That's astounding, isn't it? All prophets usually established themselves by healing someone or providing a miracle. And yet Jesus said it was none greater than them. Why? Because when he was going to come to Israel, he sent someone to lay the foundation. And he immediately preached repentance. And said, get right, get ready, because the Lord's coming. And so the common people, they began to clean themselves up according to the law. They weren't self-righteous. They said, yeah, confess this and do that. And, And they did. And they recognized Jesus. And the Pharisees didn't. And they couldn't recognize. See, it's a spiritual thing. It has nothing to do with intellect, basically. 
That's why brilliant people can quote scripture back and forth, and they're not even Christians. They got false Christianity. They teach false doctrines, and but they quote lots of scriptures. So they would not repent, like he said, at John's preaching. So they could not recognize him. See, that ties in together. As we said, Jesus said he hides this. The Father hides it from the wise and brilliant of this world and reveals it to the simple. Because the simple come to him and do what they're told, and the righteous, self-righteous, and arrogant don't. They don't do what they're told. And so they can't see. All Christians don't have spiritual ends. They have to grow in that. Paul said, I pray you'll give wisdom, you're given revelation and spirit. It doesn't come automatically. So it's shown as we have to pursue the Lord, he's not a Christian, to go deeper in spiritual things. But the common people and the disciples believed in him. And again, that belief was submission to him, lordship, obedience, obeying belief, not mental assent. Okay. And so they were not disappointed. The word means ashamed means they were not disappointed. Now, John tells us later, if you know the Lord's pure, he said, and you keep yourself pure. And he implied, and he said, for when the Lord comes, he's coming for a pure people. And he implied, if you're not pure and righteous, he's talking to Christians, he said, you'll be ashamed. That means you're going to be highly disappointed because you're not going with him. He don't consider you his. You're a lip service person, just like most of the Jews were. Most of the Christians are today, professing Christians. Okay, They say, Lord, Lord, but he don't recognize them. And so as Abraham, remember the story that Jesus told, he talked about the man in hell that was in hell, and he was in paradise, and he carried on a conversation, and he said, this is a terrible place, and I just like a drop of cool water, you know, horrible place, and he said, go warn my brothers not to come to this place. And Abraham said, well, they have Moses and the prophets, and he said, well, they won't believe. And what did he say? And remember, it's Jesus telling the story. He said, they have the law and prophets to hear. And if they don't hear them, they won't hear the one raised from the dead. So if you don't deal with the lesser revelation, you don't get no further. You cannot see it. If you can't see what the law and prophets is telling you, and that's what happened to the Pharisees. They missed it. They couldn't see Jesus for where he was. They believed he was a false prophet, and they put him to death. And they were wicked. They didn't see their wickedness. See, they were deceived. Sin deceived them. But the common people saw, the ones, and his disciples saw, and it was revealed to them. And it's interesting. People think the Lord's out there trying to convince somebody to believe in him. You find he hides himself from those who sin against him and resist him. There's consequences. And you see, he hides himself. He said, you're supposed to grope after and pursue the Lord and strive to enter. He's not sitting there begging people to come. He has rules, regulations, and he's fair in all of his dealings, and so he expects people to respond. And if they don't, there's consequences. So John's saying, when the Lord comes, you better be pure and walking in the Spirit. And he called it working righteousness. That means practical. He didn't say claiming to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Oh, once saved, always saved. He never talked about that garbage. You had to be following the Lord. You had to be bearing fruit. 
Jesus said, you don't bear fruit. My father will cut you off. You're not going to be a part of me. He makes many statements like that. People don't like to hear. See, their love for Christ is a sentimental love, like a romantic love you have for a dog or a cat. Affection has no basis on the truth. That's how they feel. They don't prove nothing, okay? Even John tells us the love of God is to keep his commandment. It didn't say it's to cry and whine and sing and how wonderful you are while you're living in sin. That ain't the love of God. God despises it. He said the sacrifices are wicked or abomination to him. So if your heart ain't right, nothing else matters to God. He don't care. The sacrifices of the wicked are detestable to the Lord. He said, no sacrifice, no offerings from a prostitute or a wicked person could be accepted under the law. They'd bring a curse on themselves for. He said, you couldn't do that if your heart wasn't right. If you had to offer something before the Lord, Jesus said, you go and make things right. You don't do it while there's unforgiveness and bitterness. You don't talk to God about those things. You deal with the other things first. And so the common people saw it. Okay, and so he said, even the one raised from the dead. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying that the brothers of this wicked rich man, they had the law and the prophets. They had enough to guide them, and they weren't using it, so they weren't getting no more. And see, that's why the wicked Jews, they wanted signs and wonders, and the Lord decided I ain't giving it to them because they haven't obeyed what they've been given. I'm not giving them more. They better go back and do what I told them to do. And finally, he said, I'll give you a sign then, you wicked generation. He said, I'll give you the sign of Jonah. Destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it up. Well, they still didn't catch it, but he said, that's the sign I'm going to give them. And they couldn't recognize it. Some of them did later, but as a whole, uh-uh. They didn't recognize it. So he was saying, Whatever light a person has, their conscience, the law, that's sufficient to lead them further. But if they don't obey those things, God has no intention of showing them anything else. He's not into that. Wicked people say, well, if I had this sign, I was, and I said, no. See, they think it's God's out to prove something. He's not. The world lies under the power of the wicked one. Most of them don't even recognize the devil, and they don't recognize that they're cursed and going to hell if they don't repent and turn to the Lord. And their sins keep them from this. And God keeps pursuing them and showing grace. Jesus said, God is kind and good to the evil and unthankful. Why is he? He had struck them dead right now. He could kill any sinner any day, and he's just in doing that. But he lets them live out their life. And he warns them, he gives them the conscience, he gives them the principles, and they either fight against it or they rebel. But see, they still had something. And so they're not going to be guiltless when they stand before God. They'll have the inner law, the conscience. They don't have the gospel, they'll have the conscience and other things. God will deal with them on that level. Now, those who get the gospel, reject it, that's it. They could be dealt according to disobeying the gospel and rejecting God's plan when he reveals it to them, okay? And so he told them they have enough. And he said, and even if he came, and he proved it, Jesus came and most of the Pharisees and priests did signs and wonders, and some of them thought he was a prophet at first, 
But then when he started to say a couple of times he was equal to the Father, he was the Son of God, they began to say, that's blasphemy. He's a man. Make it See, because they couldn't understand Scripture. And he let them believe their lies. So he had no intentions. We don't know how long, how many weeks or months he put up with Judas. We don't know if he directly ever warned Judas. But he called Judas his friend up till the end. Maybe he dropped some hints sometime to captivate Judas. Judas wasn't that way from the beginning. Now, the Lord, through God's gift, saw something and said, one of these is going to betray me. One of you. But he never come out and said he knew who he was at that time. He did at the end. He said he didn't know a lot of things. He don't know when he's to return. Only Father knows because he was confined to the human body. His divinity could not be used. But he called Judas a friend up until the end. And that may have been God, the Father's way of saying, well, you don't have to tell him nothing. He knows what he's doing. And he's been given enough. And he's walked with you for three years. And so the Lord may have hardened him. The Bible says he fell by transgression. What did he fall from? He was righteous when the Lord chose him. Righteous according to the disciples and the, the standard they lived under. You know, he didn't choose him to be the deceiver. Scripture says he fell by transgression. So he had a standing at one time. Okay, And like we say, we don't know if up until the end Jesus knew which one was going to betray him. The father may have kept that from him because he didn't know a lot of things. And then some things he was told, okay? So he will not hear anything spiritual. So if a person's living in their sin and won't repent, they're foolish to listen to sermons or anything because it ain't going to do a bit of good. Oh, they'll get some knowledge. And the knowledge is good if later on the Holy Spirit helps you out. But a lot of people study their Bible, do this, do that. They can quote, but they're unforgiving. They hate certain people. They might as well close that book and never read it because at Judgment Day, they're going to be punished more because it's going to remind them that you should have done, done these things. See, that's the danger. It says you've given more. And he says some people, even what they seem to have, the Pharisees thought they were the children of Jehovah and they were the special elite. And he said, even what you have will be taken from you. See? Because they didn't have no righteousness. That day of judgment, everything will be taken. And then the wrath of God comes on them. But they thought they had the privileges. and They misused the privileges. So here's what we see. The wicked Jewish leaders, they murdered Christ. They still deny that. All the Romans did it. You put the Romans up to it, you hypocrites. Yep, they were hypocrites. The Romans, you cannot put anybody to death without their consent or control or them doing it themselves. That's how it was in the province of Judea. So they went and forced Pilate and threatened to get him in trouble if he didn't do what they wanted. It was them. They were more evil. Uh-huh. And Pilate wanted to let him go. He said he's an innocent man. But he gave in to pressure and threats and blackmail and washed his hands. But he wasn't clean. But it was the Jewish leaders that got him to do it. They said, if you don't do it, basically, we'll go tell Caesar. He had already been in trouble with Rome. He didn't need to have more trouble. So Jesus was just a normal man to him. But when he judged him, he said he didn't do nothing wrong. Well, according 
And then they said, well, he says he's a God, and he, and he began to wonder about these things. He said he was innocent of what they brought him for. So Pilate called him innocent and wanted to release him. It was the Jews that kept yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So these hypocrite Jewish people, oh, we can kill him, Roma. Yeah, you'll find out in hell, and you'll know the truth when you're there. So John preached repentance under the law. He was magnifying the law. That's what the prophets did, bring them back to the Lord. He preached repentance. Clean yourself up. Make things right. If you've done things wrong, and you know it, try to make things right like the law required. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law taught that. Okay. Get yourself right the best you can according to the law, and the blindness will be removed. You'll be ready. And then when Christ comes, said he'll come. Make a highway for him. And they received him quickly. They recognized him. And remember when the Lord spoke from heaven when he was baptized, it says some people heard a rumbling. Some people thought they heard an angel, a voice talking. And some heard, see, they're spiritual, we're in tune to these. Some were more spiritually in tune than others. But we don't hear of the Pharisees being quoted as hearing any of this. Okay. The Jewish leaders. They would not repent. And even when the priests, some of them, came to John, because it was popular at this time to go in, and John's preaching, and thousands of people are listening, and so the priests wanted to be thought well of, so they go then, oh, they think he's a prophet. It didn't matter whether he was or not. They wanted to look good. They wanted to be seen with him. So they go down there and say, we want to be baptized. And, and John called snakes and vipers. He didn't mince no words with them. He said, go away. He wouldn't baptize. He said, go show some fruits of repentance. And then I'll baptize you. He was saying, you ain't changed. You're not trying to get right. He saw right through them. And so he wouldn't baptize them. And that sort of threw water on their little parade. They wanted to look good and be acceptable. But he said, no, you show me some fruit, some proof that you're repenting. What was the proof? You change. You do things. You're making things right according to the law. And Jesus later told those people and the Pharisees, you will die in your sins for you do not believe who I am. And they could not believe because sin blinded them. And because they twisted the law and the prophets the way they wanted to, he said, you lay aside the word of God for your traditions. That's why they couldn't see. So at the lower level, they were already perverting the law and the prophets and they were wicked. So he had no intentions of giving the greater light, but need it. Like the man in hell was told, they have enough, the law and the prophets. If they don't believe them, if one raised from the dead, they won't believe. So he's telling them, spiritually, it won't work. So we need to remind ourselves that those who profess Christianity, what must they do? Oh, it's all by faith. No, it's not. And it's not all grace. You'll always find the human and divine side in spiritual matters. You find it all through the epistles. You are told to do this or not do that, do this with God's help, and he'll call. He never told you have to do. God never repents for a person. He never believes for a person, and he never obeys for a person. They have to do that. So there is no irresistible grace that way. Like we say, the plan of salvation is all God's. The acceptance of the plan has to do with the man. 
whether he's going to fall in line with it. Okay, we go to, like I say, if we profess to be Christians, there's three things we ought to look at a lot. Do we bear fruit? Are we having spiritual works? Are we obeying? That's the proof. So if you're just giving lip service and nothing else, that's why James says, show me your faith. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. And then he told them, is that kind of faith you got going to save you? And the implication was, no. Your lip service and your belief. He said, oh, you believe in God. See, he meant the true God. He was talking to Jews and the Gentile. Do you believe in And he said, well, you do well. The demons believe it and tremble. He says, the demons believe that Jesus is the Holy One of Israel. They know he's God. He knows he's one with the Father. But don't save them. They're terrified. They said, what have you come to torment us before the appointed day? They know there's an appointed day. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They were terrorized. They thought maybe he'd make an example and send them early. So they didn't know. Remember, there were a lot of other spiritual deception also okay, because of their sins against the Lord. Second Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 12 and 13. This is Peter talking. People tell me sometimes, you, you teach the same things over and over and over. I said, well, what Jesus taught, it took an hour and a half to two hours. He didn't come up with anything new. He went to every town and village, taught the same thing to most of them. Improvise, added exhortation. See, people want something knowledge to tickle their brain like the Corinthians. But they were arrogant and proud. They didn't do what they were told. Oh, we want the more knowledge. I said, oh, you waste your time with those kind of people. So what does he say? Verse 12. Therefore, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. He was telling them how to be a Christian and how you can prove you're a Christian. He just talked about that. He said that you're always these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. So he's saying you still can grow and mature. Paul said, I hadn't attained perfection. Okay. Yes, I think it right. As long as I am in this body, this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. See, we don't need a lot of new knowledge once we understand the foundation. A Christian should have basic Christian knowledge in, in two or three years. of He should be mature. He don't need a bunch of new stuff. He don't need to go to seminary and cemetery. Uh, he don't need all of that. They need the Bible and study it. Let's take a break. <laughs> 